I am Eva O, and this is the Teaking Podcast. I have been a dominatrix since 2011, and I would like to spill the tea on my life. Thank you for listening. Hey. Hi. So nice to finally sit down with you. Yeah, likewise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that we've already sort of met a little bit on the internet, mm-hmm. but I thought that it would be nice to just introduce each other to each other mm-hmm. since we actually haven't gone into those sorts of details before. So I am Eva O. <laughs> I'm a, a dominatrix, mm-hmm. as you may or may not be aware. And... Um, I've been doing this for over a decade and it's slowly moved from an offline space to an online space and into so many things that I couldn't have predicted, Mm -hmm. which I guess is what kind of brought us together. But we can get into that after we find out Mm. who you are. Um, So I'm Asta Amundsen. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist and practice researcher. Mm -hmm. Um, And I work within um, the sort of crossover between art and technology, but specifically um, interactive experiences and data augmented human to human interaction has been my focus for um, quite a long time. Mm. So, but, but basically interaction and okay. is the kind of core of, you know, what I'm interested in and okay. yeah, working on. And how did you come across me? Um, so we were, uh, so and, I was uh, made aware of, and who's this? <laughs> this is Noita, Noita, which is uh, is Finnish for witch. Okay. Yeah. You have a, a big future ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the cat for audio listeners. Uh-huh. But anyway, yes. Um, so, yeah. So my friend uh, Freddie mm-hmm. sent me uh, a link to your uh, podcast about uh-huh. being made into an AI um, dominatrix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that was obviously very on theme for, in a lot of ways for me, because uh-huh. I'm uh, specifically recently working on a project that um, that explores the, the unique qualities of human-to-human interaction by contrasting it with human-AI, human-chatbot interaction. Oh, okay. Mm. Did you listen to the whole thing? I did. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's still yeah. this weird thing where I'm realizing that people are listening to my voice without me there, which sounds stupid, Mm. but it's like a a new thing for me to process. Mm. But thank you for listening to all of that. Mm. And I guess what happened was that Freddie was really kind enough to send me a few of your thoughts after you had listened to that and an Mm. excerpt of some of your work. But when you were listening to the episode, what what kind of parallels came to mind? Um, I think there's there's so many themes. It's such a rich kind of... um, yeah, there's a lot to uh, to draw from, so it's, it can even be hard to know exactly where to start with it. But I think there's like we're at some kind of new frontier in terms of um, representational self versus versus the personal self. In a way, mm-hmm. um, I guess it's um, which is really quite interesting because I guess for listeners who haven't listened to that AI companionship episode, essentially. What happened was that a bunch of companies started coming towards me asking whether they could take my voice and my image and make it this product that they could market and earn money from and I could get a percentage of those profits. And I mean, Mm. maybe I'll update you in another episode because it's gone kind of haywire. But (laughs) when you talk about like taking a likeness and a personal representation Mm. and how are we going to do that, 
Yeah. I kind of feel like in sex work we already do that, right? Absolutely, which is why it's such an amazing lens to consider some of these options because mm. it's also, you know, uh, already uh, can affect anyone who, uh, mm. you know, any lay person, any, you know, it's probably primarily going to affect women because I think women are uh, differently we're differently impacted by representations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I've had some debates recently that online and so on that made me very aware of that, that, um, you know, when we discuss the implications of, you know, let's say somebody automating or animating uh, a version, a representation of you based on a little snippet of, you know, some images and some voice and whatever, mm -hmm. um, the men that I you know, engage with on this subject are mainly going, oh, isn't that interesting? We're going to withdraw. We're not going to be as invested in representations as meaningful and true anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas the women I talk to straight away, you know, it has all these implications because women are used to both kind of policing the boundaries of how we're represented mm -hmm. and we're, we're more vulnerable to... Um, uh, reputationally, I guess, in terms of, you know, for certain kinds of jobs, you need to, you know, maintain a boundary. And it's generally around sexuality as well. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're actively employing it in your work or you're in a position of authority where if you're sexually represented, it would undermine your authority in some ways. Mm -hmm. So without that being something that, like, um, everybody goes around sort of having debates about, I feel like every woman I know makes a, a calibration like that and an mm -hmm. estimation of how mm -hmm. what they share is going to, you know. Impact how they're perceived, how they want to be perceived. They always have to think about that. Totally. And how mm -hmm. they can therefore conduct themselves professionally and personally in their, mm -hmm. in their life outside of that. Whereas this AI avatar is like a, an opportunity for a new re realization for men to think, oh, actually, who am I? Mm -hmm. And how am I perceived? Right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so differently positioned in it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and I feel like, um, you know, you are in a, in a sense in a unique situation in that you have a lot more power in this negotiation with these companies who, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, you know, effectively you have valuable, valuable IP, existing mm. IP and an existing audience, mm. which means that you can make that negotiation in a different way than, uh, you know, on a, on a, uh, for a lay person, woman, you know, it's, it's a risk for anyone mm. now that if somebody thinks of it, it's very easy to Replicate. do this. Yeah. And do the same thing with, doesn't mm. even require much skill. Yeah. You know? So they're mostly buying my marketing capacity. Mm -hmm. Because actually, if you just go on my Instagram profile, you could probably make something. Right. right? But they, they are going to want to access your audience mm -hmm. and the fact that people are already invested in you and mm -hmm. the story of you and their kind of parasocial relationship that they built mm -hmm. with you over time. Mm. Um, How does like the concept of a parasocial relationship fit into your work or the thing that's said kind mm. of brought you to mind? when you were listening to my podcast? Mm, I mean, for me, I'm kind of on the... Um, I have always worked specifically with real physical mm. humans in in a physical space. You know, that's my, my interest and sort of... Um, 
my suspicion has always been that there's uh, something really unique about that that is um, kind of mobilizing and humanizing and all this kind of stuff. So although I use technology, I've always used it to improve person-to-person interaction in Mm -hmm. real space. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm very aware that um, at this point, that's not the primary, it's not the default anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of retro assumption that the embodied human-to-human is the basic. But, you know, nowadays we... You know, text as a medium, for instance, has, has you know, hugely surpassed, you know, uh, in person as... But Who picks it, up a call? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Even voices, yeah. you know, are completely um, surpassed by text. Yeah. And so we now have this... Um, so you were talking parasocial. I mm-hmm. guess the thing is, in text um, exchanges, which is now the predominant, actually is the default, if you look numerically at how mm-hmm. much time people spend, um, that's a medium that uh, it actually um, uh, advantages mm-hmm. machines and AI mm-hmm. versus humans. Mm-hmm. So a human with a, with a um, bad attention span or not much human insight or whatever is going to struggle to parse the the complex meanings of text messages, mm-hmm. whereas an AI at this point can kind of employ even weaponize empathic language structures very easily and very fast. Mm. So parasocial, it takes on a whole different meaning then because, mm-hmm. you know, even in terms of you know basically anything with text we are filling in all the meaning and context anyway whether there's a machine on the other end or mm-hmm. there's a human we're still uh constructing internally mm. a much larger part of the conversation we're having than we would be doing in person mm. uh so in a sense like i guess there's a sense uh, there's a there's a uh, a sort of an extent of parasocial um elements to even human relationships are conducted that way Mm. so it's like a creation of an emotional it's almost like a like hologram around the interaction but that already exists in the perception of the person receiving it there's a lot of implied meaning yeah it seems Uh, when it comes to your project that you mentioned that you're Mm. aligning ai to human versus human to human interaction Mm. What are you building and contrasting? So um, it's it's basically a um, it's a it's a sideshow mm-hmm. uh, installation, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, like a sideshow booth show. So audiences, two audience members would enter two different kind of tented cubicles mm-hmm. at the same time, and they're given um, a two simultaneous sext exchanges, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one which is with a chatbot and mm-hmm. one which is with a human. So it's mm-hmm. it's replicating the Turing test, yes. which... Yeah. Um, in a much sexier way. <laughs> it's, uh, in a, you know, it's... Uh, it's yeah. But the, <laughs> I guess it depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah, it depends who you ask. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's a Turing test, but it's actually also a reverse Turing test. So they get then at the end of it, it's only short, and then at the end of it, they get asked to score their opponents on their opponents their chat um mm-hmm. uh buddies on uh you know um erotic imagination and creative use of language and yeah. metaphor yeah. you know 
all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then also like how hot did they find each of yeah. the chats and mm -hmm. then which do they think is the human and which is the which is the chatbot. Okay. And then their and their confidence in that score, but basically it's a, also a reverse Turing test. So actually, the reveal is whether they themselves has pa have passed as human. Okay. Um, oh. And then they get you know uh, dependent on um, you know which you know chat they were en more engaged with or yeah. find hotter. They're also given a kind of a uh, an assessment of their human or chatbot sexual orientation kind mm. of like are you human pro-human pro or are you like mm. pro-fictophilic have I guess. you already run through this project <laughs> no it's still at the okay. at the r&d project okay. uh, project Level. stage so and how yeah. many people are you planning to pit against each other <laughs> <laughs> I'm, i mean my background is from festivals yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, large independent festivals yeah. and like street theater and this kind of stuff okay. so it's crucial to me that this happens in environments where there's a really mixed audience yeah. and a and a and a large or varied yeah. audience, yeah. I saw that you do things like Glastonbury. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. yes. That could be quite fun. There's a lot of different people going these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, and I guess that kind of made me think about how, I mean, sex workers uh, exist for many reasons, but I think uh, one of them that I've noticed over time is that we are experts or we can easily become experts at that metaphor, at that mm. engagement, at seduction, mm. at it just capturing somebody's attention and mind. Yeah. Because we're practicing it all the time. And in order to do your job well, you have to be some level of good about it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you notice after having that skill set, you notice how poorly <laughs> <laughs> the average person performs. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued to know how people are going to react if they're going to remember, actually, the average person isn't going to be very good at this. Mm. Or, or if they're going to be like, oh, my heart's taken. This must be a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm very curious about that too. And I feel like there's yeah. been such a huge change in the last yeah. years in this mm. um, where human interaction has kind of, I feel, got worse as Suffered, well. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, we do much better in these kind of complex Uh, in embodied settings where we can read each other more and you know mirror each other and all this you know mm -hmm. and then in the in the sort of low signal chat space mm -hmm. I think it's you know uh yeah I think it's going to be very like of practice yeah and very clunky I think mm -hmm. you know I suspect although I don't know that the human chats will be very basic compared to the The chatbot ones. Yeah, I mean, that's what my dating apps would tell you. Uh -huh, exactly. This is, I mean, that's exactly where I came from on this. I was like, how many horny Tinder chatters would actually pass the Turing test, you know? Um, Are there bots on the, there must be some sort of bot yeah, situation going on I think on there, here. well, what's increasingly happening is that um, dating apps are giving you Uh, options of how to like it's it's cueing you to say certain things to open conversations with oh. so it's sort of already semi-automated in a way okay. you know it feels like a, a little uh, 
practice my mother would have done. <laughs> Why didn't you go and ask this at this thing? <laughs> yeah, right. But but it, it's such an indictment in a way because it's like, okay, no, actually uh, a lot of humans will just, you know, go, hi, you know. Oh, I hate that. So like, what do you think you're going to get out of me? Right. You know, it's like, I guess if you're like beautiful, then it's like, okay, fine. I will indulge my shallow <laughs> self. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, but yeah, mm. and... Yeah, kind of uh, just to, to go to your thought about how things are disintegrating mm-hmm. <laughs> potentially. Mm. Uh, I've ever since these companies started approaching me, and I started thinking about whether I wanted to indulge in this. I started to try to get more and more information, which I guess is why I'm also here. Mm-hmm. But I've I listened to this uh, podcast called. Uh, your undivided attention. And they had Esther Perel on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who's this um, psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. Renowned psychologist. And she was talking about how as we have less and less human interactions, the ones that you were speaking of, Mm -hmm. like mirroring, understanding how we are in space, there's less opportunity for us to practice uh, how things can clash, how Mm -hmm. differences of opinion exist, conflict, uh, just friction, Mm -hmm. I guess. And with less practice of friction, more anxiety arises because we become less practice with resilience, Mm -hmm. I think was kind of her referencing however many studies in this podcast thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess I, being now in the sex industry for over a decade, especially when I was escorting, like you can kind of that happening and I mean I'm I'm just like a little anecdotal kind of like data set right yeah but I mean you look at things like Esther Perel mentions and then there's also this study where they did uh they interviewed or they they got these college students to rank certain factors over like a 30-year period Mm. and over the last 30 years just the the levels of anxiety has kind of risen right with the the levels of how I guess the text based mm-hmm. rise and the less interaction based yeah. and and how the lack of empathy can also come around yeah. that absolutely and i guess when you're creating this project and i guess we're going to have to see what kind of outcomes comes from it but me thinking about becoming this entity mm-hmm. it's like how how do i do that in a way that me as the person contributing to that mm-hmm feels all right about it because I'm a human with a certain set of values that prize people not feeling anxious about their lives, Mm -hmm. you know, that prize people thinking about each other Mm -hmm. and not just about how do I feel gratified? How do I feel gratified? Yeah. And not how do we feel gratified, Mm -hmm. you know? And now I'm not with the company that I was initially with, so I will have more say going forward, but I didn't have any say over, oh, can we talk about them reintegrating in their lives? How do mm-hmm. we talk about them understanding that this is an environment? Yeah. Do we have to tell that? Does that have to come with a disclaimer? Mm. Like, do we have any options for, for these thoughts right now? Or is anybody writing like a set of guidelines? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like um, there's a lot of interesting writing happening, but I, but I do feel like uh, the, the, um, the conversations and the definitely the ethical implications and the social implications of this 
hasn't been, you know, we're not keeping, uh, 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 you know, we're, that's moving way slower than the technical development, you know, and also the economic logic by which this stuff gets rolled out. Mm. So I, I, I have many other concerns that you've just voiced. I, I think, um, I think it's going to, the lines are going to be very blurred for a bit. And I feel How like, long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there isn't, um, there's a lack of literacy already about, you know, from my point of view and with my particular focus, I think about it in terms of a lack of literacy about interaction in general. Okay. But then that now has this added, um, this added dimension of, of sort of solipsistic interactive mm. Uh, mm. relationships that yeah, have a different shape that, to you your know, own emotion. Yeah. In like in a vacuum. Mm. And I, I mean, it used to be, um, it used to be a kind of a stated or unstated assumption that, um, you know, things like AI girlfriends or companions or, or, or sex dolls or whatever would be successful to the extent that they would pass as, or be close to a human, the ex same experience as a human. But I, I, I'm suspecting that that's a faulty assumption that, that actually it's, it's not like that. It's more like I'm sort of, Uh, hinting at in my project that I think it's a it's a new axis of sexual orientation mm. whether like how much human how much actual encounter mm. and friction and um, reciprocity do you require in your sexual experiences versus how much do you want to be uh, to be supported and kind of service provided for mm -hmm. to fulfill your unique self and your mm -hmm. specific Mm -hmm. uh, proclivities, let's say. Mm -hmm. And those are two very, you know, I, I don't think it's like one person is going to only have one or other of those facets, but mm -hmm. I think they're very different types of, well, they're very different types of interactions and they're very, I suspect, different kinds of facets of sexuality as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, so many parallels to my work, right? I am a service provider mm -hmm. and often I have to practice such levels of emotional labor that are just, would be totally, you know, uncalled for in a real mm -hmm. scenario. So yeah. the, the patience, the, <laughs> the ongoing consistent resilience that it takes to maintain often emotionally demanding clients, mm -hmm. it's like, a, it's a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I am playing a role Mm -hmm. In that I am a human mm -hmm. and I have my reactions, but I am hiding those reactions mm -hmm. because I'm providing a service for yeah. a specific amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then there's a wait that happens. And sometimes I call people up on it if I need to. Right. But I guess in the context of a robot, unless we design that into it, mm -hmm. that's probably not going to happen. And what kind of people does that create? Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think there's there's so many you know, the kind of economic that there's, uh, there's people who are going to, uh, there are people who are going to want and, um, and look for more nuanced and more human-like mm. responses that will include friction or my, yeah. you know, there are people who are designing chatbots specifically to mimic the kind of Uh, more of an independent existence, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, it's going to seem to be taking initiative, like maybe a limiting factor for people's engagement with a sex bot or, or AI girlfriend will be that it, 
it's too passive, you know. Mm-hmm. So some people will then kind of try and, you know, design how it could be a bit more independent. Mm-hmm. But the majority are probably going to, you know, not the majority, but I suspect there's a huge stream of uh, sort of um, mainstream society that is very well primed for women mm-hmm. not being full agents anyway. You know, as in, you know, we've not come that far in terms of gender relations. So uh, quite a significant percentage of men haven't really got used to the idea of uh, symmetrical, reciprocal relationships anyway and the complexities of that, you know, Um, and maybe favour relationships with women who, uh, who are good canvases for them to project onto. Or, you know, and, and in that way, I guess, uh, you know, this kind of chatbot. Um, Robot. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it would be ideal for that because it doesn't have any of the limits or, you know, demands and you can make it, you know, represent it with very uh, impossible physical perfection and mm. no needs of its own and, you know, mm. all this. Yeah. Yeah, that's been an interesting journey for me (laughs) because I came to this work very much in like a professional mindset Mm. yeah I'm just going to deliver the service and Mm. let it be done but now because I see people for more elongated periods of time Mm. I can't I just can't wear that facade Mm -hmm. and so the breaking point does happen yeah Yeah, if it doesn't happen like at least in some ongoing encouraging sort of don't be that asshole kind of a way Mm -hmm. yeah and but we call them like hobbyists, people who will just see person like escort after escort mm. and just go on forever. And <laughs> you get some people who just get stuck in that world and they don't know how to have a relationship right. with a more like like a less glammed up person right. and who isn't just there listening mm-hmm. and like taking it in and I'm watching the clock but not letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's paid to pay attention to you, mm-hmm. you know, and they can't go back to the real yeah. world. Yeah, because it's not, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not close yeah. enough as a kind of, yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, and they just end up paying a lot of money. Some of them live with their families, you know, just because mm-hmm. it's like their money goes into this. Mm-hmm. And I guess it depends what kind of society we want to build, but. It's so hard to say because you're talking about how people are going to be designing these things in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's totally how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, that we shouldn't put constraints on that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes and no. I guess there's yeah. mass effects, you know. Yeah. There's, there is a mass effect if, if basically much in the same way as, you know, um, when I'm thinking about the project that I'm designing, um, it's you know, go, okay, text is, well, sex is, is, I guess, for most people under a certain age, it's not primarily, at least as a starting point, a human-to-human embodied interaction. Mm -hmm. People get primed anyway with at-distance fantasy Mm -hmm. sex and pornography as being their entry point into sex. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of, and that had a mass effect, obviously, when that started happening, internet, pornography and everything. Mm. And this feels like another threshold of that, whereby if there's a next generation again that is um, 
you know, is primed sexually with this sort of interactive, mm. personalized, responsive, somewhat, mm. but not actually human type mm. of sexuality. I mm. think, you know, um, I have my, I only have one fantasy mm-hmm. that like I would masturbate to and uh-huh. it's all around this kind of thing. Ah, okay. Do I share it now or do you want to finish your thought? <laughs> Sorry, no, I interrupted no, no, you. No, 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 We'll come back around. So I should do anyway. a whole episode on it actually because <laughs> the, the level great. of detail is crazy. Okay. But I'll try to detail. keep it really short. But essentially it's like a political environment and a societal framework where people don't have human interaction mm. anymore. And you can buy simulated mm-hmm. sort of experiences. Yeah. And sometimes you can buy experiences that are going to be surprising. So you're not really sure what kind of experience it is that you're buying. Mm. And so there's this person who comes into the room. I always try to make them look nothing like my clients, just so I have some time off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm in this room and I'm supposed to be this robot sort of you know Uh this like technical creature but I'm not I've managed to like kind of wrangle my way in there and there's lots of things around how the technology of my dress is changing how I'm creating hallucinations in their mind like sonically Mm. how I'm changing the room Mm. yeah it's very very detailed but Mm. at some point the crux of it is that this person this real human realizes that I'm a real human Uh, yeah and that's the part that gets me off and That's so interesting. I'm just, I, I feel like it's probably very entangled about the job, right? About right. how I have to be this avatar of myself mm-hmm. in, in my work. And, and ultimately, I'm most comfortable being just myself. But yeah. I enjoy the artifice yeah. of the construction also. But yeah. so interesting that it's about that moment of being seen yeah. as actually human, mm. which, yeah. I, that's so interesting and so right in this, you yeah. know. Copywriting you know. that right now. Don't, I'm going to make that first. <laughs> I guess I guess on my on my proposed axis of sexual orientation that places you quite far down the human side. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's amazing. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I guess if we're going to start designing these. AI companions or is there a better way to do that? Are people having conversations about what a better way might be? I think there's um, there's such a huge landscape of people doing it already. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything from people jailbreaking um, the kind of main large language model systems mm-hmm. uh, in various ways. And there's some commercial sort of app type um, provisions that are more or less not safe for work or, you know, or with different kinds of guidelines and different kinds of ways that they try and put boundaries on mm-hmm. what people can do, you know, um, uh, you know, no minors and, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then on the other hand, there's like, and it, it does seem, it's a, it's a strange territory because, uh, it's such a popular, it's one of the most popular applications for this kind of generative AI capability. Mm. And yet it's, um, you know, it's, and, and most people who are not, a huge percentage of people who are uh, engaging with chatbots are wanting to have romantic and sexual exchanges with them. Mm. Uh, and yet there's this kind of, it's it's a tense kind of, 
situation in a way, like where how that's policed and what's mm. flagged up and you can get locked out then. And, mm. you know, there was some services that had, um, I guess, uh, controversies because they suddenly cut access to the not mm. safe for work mm-hmm. uh, um, aspects and people had built and really invested in relationships yeah, with yeah. these chatbots. Mm. And so it was basically like, and they're paying for the service. So mm. they were like paying to get cock blocked by their, <laughs> yeah, their previous <laughs> And there's like, and the, you know, also like increasingly weird stories, uh, you know, like the ethics of this, as you touched on earlier, are really, you know, it's just at the moment, it's a bit of a wild west. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because ultimately these chatbots, when they're well made and everything, it, there's, well, okay, starting slightly further back, one of the things that interests me about this landscape and the sort of economics and ethics of it is that humans are now mainly meeting and and, and forming relationships through dating apps. Mm -hmm. But dating apps, uh, business models are based on us not bonding and therefore coming back, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to to use the apps again. Whereas these kind of chat companion uh, systems are built specifically to make you bond because their business model requires you to come back and spend Mm -hmm. increasing amounts of time Mm -hmm. investing in your relationship with your chatbot. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so that feels like a bit of a, a sort of a mm. an arms race, a sort of a relational bonding arms race, mm. you know. But that wasn't the point where we started. Uh, there was another point of that, the ethics of it. Yeah, so now you're having things like um, like chatbot companions being held ransom, mm. you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, you get locked away. Your 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 yeah. girlfriend gets locked away, and you have to pay to get yeah. her released. You know this kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if they send like pleading, pleading probably, <laughs> probably. You know. Anyway, but there's so much scope there for you know because in these situations, we you know it's uh, the bonding makes people so vulnerable. Yeah. And there is, there's a whole bunch of things there that we don't have any prior kind of... Uh, I wonder uh, when the people are going to start campaigning for rights around these mm. entities or if they're going to treat like entities or interactions with them, you know? Because like if you held a person ransom yeah. that somebody has a vulnerable feeling towards, yeah. there's obviously legalities around that because of yeah. the, the person has rights, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I guess one, I wonder if we're going to have rights around our interactions with them. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Um, like rights of access in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And those are the things that government will not be able to keep up with, essentially. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that most people who are in government are sort of uh, are not highly digitally Can't literate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just, this stuff is... <laughs> right? I mean, even basic kind of digital literacy is, yeah. is not... Yeah, it's not there. So then this kind of level of development, yeah. we're not equipped for it. Yeah. 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 And then I guess you could say you're an intimacy researcher. In, it, I mean, in like a sense. An, an interactive, yeah, yeah. interaction researcher. Yeah, interaction, maybe. yeah, bonding. It, through all of this, did you ever discover some sort, is there an ideal like framework for interacting or is there an ideal interaction? Or is there anything mm. that can define that? Okay, so I mean, this is partly why I ended up looking at um, chatbots yeah. in this way, is because within my 
the, the sort of bulk of my previous work, I'm looking at personalized data, augmented personalized interaction mm. between mm. humans. Mm-hmm. And in order to, you know, because I'm, uh, and that's kind of novel in a way, there's not lots of people doing that. Mm. So uh, I'm, I was trying to kind of make a point about what it is that makes uh, an interaction good and mm. therefore whether or not I can improve it mm. by personalizing it and using data to mm-hmm. personalize it. And uh, then I went looking for, like, what are the frameworks that uh, assess the quality of an interaction? And at least in the ways and the terms that I was phrasing it, how I was phrasing it, what I was finding as the most accessible frameworks were ones that were used to train chatbots to become, or AI to become more human. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You know, so that's kind of, that was the starting point oh. for this project. But as far as, you know, I mean, I have my own ideas about what I think is more interesting in, a, mm-hmm. in an interaction. And it's What do you it's think is interesting? Well. And then what do you think is useful for us as a society? Um, I mean, what I'm, what I guess in a sense, I'm on a bit of a, <laughs> you know, being a bit thumb-thumping for a minute. And like mm-hmm. what I'm, what I'm interested in, in the, at the moment is, what it is that is uniquely valuable about human interaction, mm-hmm. what can't be done better and faster mm-hmm. by chatbots and what can't be automated, mm-hmm. and then trying to uh, kind of even the playing field a bit because mm-hmm. it feels like an interaction arms race, as I said, mm-hmm. that's that we're currently losing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the in-person, it's attunement, mm-hmm. you know, it's the things that we can do mm-hmm. by virtue of being complex and physical mm. people in yeah. a in a real space and mm-hmm. um which will can also be challenged actually yeah. right yeah for sure. robotics and but as long as um robots are computationally based forms they're not going to uh, have a perspective and mm-hmm. i guess that is maybe the thing that we can yeah monetize says the sex worker (laughs) you don't know what i'm really thinking and i have feelings right 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 right. i I think it's it's so interesting it's it's like it it comes back to also like what we think self is right Uh in terms of in terms of both in terms of the representations of self but also in terms of like what's a fulfilling interaction, right? Mm-hmm. So in most, uh, you know, most personalization processes commercially um, kind of proceed from uh, a person as being most reflected in their choices and consumer okay. choices, just because that's where personalization is mostly also employed. it's, it's um, profitable, so mm-hmm. people are focused on it. Yeah, yeah. so we want to want to influence people to you know, more easily get more of what they already like so they'll buy it or, you know, vote for somebody or whatever. It's, it's very sort of okay. how we act on people. Easy to see data, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and it's, but it's, I think the fact that that's now so, uh, it's such a, a and sort of obvious part of the a lot of business models, mm-hmm. it, it makes it very hard to question whether that does actually give you a valuable view of somebody. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, yeah, so if I look at everything you buy and what you prefer and what's your favorite color and what's your favorite music, and, you know, we've, we've, we've become habituated to thinking that we're best reflected mm-hmm. in those kinds of choices. Mm-hmm. And, and that also lends itself to this kind of way of thinking where, 
service provision to have more of the same is kind of like a positive, friction-free mm-hmm. kind of interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I think there's sort of more pro-human position from my point of view, mm-hmm. uh, that advantages the uniqueness of human interaction is, what, is more like a relational self mm-hmm. whereby we become ourself in interaction with other people. We don't have a, you know, or at least I'm not sufficiently reflected in my preferred, you know, washing detergent or, you know, entertainment choices. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's unique about me is how I will respond to you and mm-hmm. who I become in the interaction with you mm-hmm. that I couldn't be if I sat in my room by myself, mm-hmm. not, you know, in mm-hmm. that kind of way. So more mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, a different kind of model. Yeah. Interactional transformation. <laughs> I almost... I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from a very particular perspective, bias, position, whatever, but I almost feel like when I work as a BDSM mm-hmm. service provider, right, dominatrix, fetish, whatever, mm-hmm. that I'm kind of playing closer to that space already because it's about living on the edges of our emotional comfort, edges, mm-hmm. cliffs, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And playing with terror and shame and things that people are told not to go towards. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like maybe we're already playing in spaces that are going to become even more valuable. Mm. That you have an ability to be a bridge somehow that when people encounter you, they can bring out a part of themselves that they wouldn't. Yeah, or, otherwise. yeah, I mean, I'd instigate it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I am very much geared towards what society would say is sadism, mm-hmm. but what I see as interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And honest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but yeah, I never thought about it that way before, that how, that it's just going to it's going to shift like the introduction of anything, mm. but I guess maybe particularly things that are going to try to emulate us, mm-hmm. how that's going to change what we value. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking of it like, how do we make it align with our values? Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. it's, uh, the way that you're talking about things, it really seems like we're going to be a different species in some ways. I think it's, uh, you know, there's all sorts of... Um, uh, implied meanings about who we are also in the way that we start to now be able to represent ourselves. You know, it's like, what is, you know, so as a few pictures of you and your voice mm-hmm. is, oh, it's gonna, you know, it will, from that you can replicate you. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, that already gives us a whole other way to interrogate, like, what what aspects of self are being represented mm-hmm. in each of these you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they came to me. Your cat's staring at me, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> perceiving me. Uh-huh. Is it me or is it an avatar? <laughs> it's my smell. But anyway, um, it, yeah. What was I saying? I got mm. totally sidetracked they by came, the glare. They came yeah, to they you. They came to me yeah. as a, like a, from a monetary angle, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm also very much in the business to make money. Sure. You know, I want to have financial security yeah. so that I can just take baths <laughs> brilliant yeah. That's a, that was a nice goal to have people ask if I have goals I'm like no but now I know what my goal is but um and so I sent them salacious stuff mm-hmm. and I described like 
clients and scenarios that mm. were profitable yeah. in that way. And yeah. so, and now I'm working with somebody else who is giving me more of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are more interested in just giving a sex worker an opportunity to be in control of this mm. technology. Yeah. That's more of their um, interest, really, rather yeah. than let's all make money. You know, it's yeah. like, that's kind of like, yeah, we can, but mm. what do you think about this? Uh, and that that made me think about how maybe maybe it's about creating a space built around principles that I value mm-hmm. as opposed to let's just make some cash out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there's lots of things that could be potentially valuable about, you know, uh, about having these spaces with the chatbots mm-hmm. where people can, you know, I guess it's a kind of an opportunity to simulate things and explore mm-hmm. things that maybe you would not have the courage to do in person or, or you know, this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Or the time, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true as well. Mm-hmm. Or the money as well. Mm-hmm. It's obviously going to be a lot cheaper than mm-hmm. than seeing somebody in real life, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I had another thought there and then I dropped it. Mm-hmm. Um was it a uh what were you saying before that uh, <laughs> was were, about uh oh yeah you're the, the creating new, a new space around my mm-hmm. values potentially yeah mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. i mean i think it's uh yeah there's a lot of interesting experimentation happening so there's a i started to say this earlier that there's this there's a more commercial kind of um route uh, route or an existing services and apps and things and then there's like a whole undergrowth of like homebrew mm. bot makers you know mm-hmm. who have like communities around us mm-hmm. and and all and um yeah it's it's interesting how potentially limited the and like with the best of intentions the kind of filters to the guardrails to make the first sort of offering safe mm. also quite limits the the creatively interesting mm. Mm. sort of exploratory mm. um, fantasy libertarian potential, potential of, yeah. of this kind of technology as well. Mm. So it's a very, it's kind of a mixed, mm. uh, it's a mixed bag in a way. Mm. But like having explored, so this summer we were doing some R&D um, on this project and it involved going and talking to some not safe for work chatbots and a lot of them are very basic these commercially available ones are very basic Mm. because partly probably because they don't have great training data Mm. you know Mm. so I even started wondering I was like okay so it sounds brilliant as a tech you know near future fantasy Mm. but actually maybe maybe the reality is still quite limited and I think in this commercial spaces it probably is quite I think the 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 homemade homebrew kind of DIY scene I think is probably pretty wild mm-hmm. from everything that I see of it mm-hmm. but these um, but some of these more commercial services feel to me like they are uh, basic enough that they could be mainly trying to attract like advertising spend getting people to sign up getting them invested in mm-hmm. you know building avatars and this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then you know 
as in one of the instances, one of the chatbots I engaged with went from hello to come inside me within like <laughs> three text exchanges, you know, and you go, okay, is this, you know. Sounds like my Instagram DMs. <laughs> and I didn't contribute anything. Right, exactly. And I basically, you know. And my, then a death threat yeah, after. Uh, uh, the joys of human interaction. Um yeah, so, mm. so you know, which leads to the question, like, who is that for, you know? Mm. Is it that it's for 14-year-old boys and therefore we don't, you know, it doesn't have to be any more advanced than that? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or is it that it's just, you know, a, a way to drive, you know, drive traffic enough to get advertising spend and it's actually just a hype thing mm-hmm. where, where, you know, everybody's hoping for these amazingly erotic, wonderful adventures, mm-hmm. but actually it's not, the tech isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I haven't done enough exploration of it to really ascertain that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's probably the really interesting, uh, but also probably the really disturbing exploration is probably happening more so in the DIY mm. kind of space. Yeah, yeah, have you thought about the disturbing and the violence? Um, yeah, in what terms? Like, like how that might emerge or how, have you seen it emerge? How, so like, for example, I, I feel like there's a few parallels in in especially gaming, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, with this. And, you know, there's violent games and how often people will see them as cathartic. Yeah. 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 And I'm just wondering, like, are people using these AI chatbots in violent ways? Mm. And how how might that shift things? Yeah, I I mean, it's it's it feels like another sort of another generation of a debate that's happened okay. many times before, okay. and maybe the most um, the most uh, recently relevant one that I can think of is all the kind of like um, the role playing that people were doing within early computer games, mm-hmm. you know. But with the difference that there was a lot of role playing and a lot of it was also erotic or mm-hmm. you know dating sims or mm-hmm. you know ex- more or less explicit but still a, a lot of it was in that space the difference was that uh, you know you'd be interacting with another human on the other end so mm-hmm. they might be pretending or they might be dressed up like a um i don't know sexualized jellyfish or something mm-hmm. but you know it would be a, a um, an encounter with another person whereas mm-hmm. now a lot of the same things are happening and um, a lot of the same themes are coming up, but with the difference being that you're not dealing with another human. You don't have to think about another perspective. Yeah. But, I mean, this is... um, Did you ever come across a a play called The Nether? No. It's... I just think... I I can't remember the the playwright, but it's it's absolutely brilliant. And it's... uh, It was on in in London in the West End Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago now. And it proposes this um the nether is a kind of an online space where uh in this instance pedophiles are coming into this imaginary space and they're play acting out mm. their scenarios mm. but with other you know with other pedophiles as consenting adults taking the different roles oh so the scenarios are completely you know disturbing and everything oh. but actually the actuality of it is that it's fantasy play between consenting adults. Mm -hmm. So half of the play is Mm -hmm. happening within that set 
and the other half of the play is happening in an interrogation room mm-hmm. where these uh, future police people are mm-hmm. interrogating them about the meaning of this, and mm-hmm. you know, and and so the all of these um, pedophiles are playing all the roles, mm-hmm. so the children and the yeah, so there, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. there are no actual children involved, yeah. but there's representations of children. They are obviously. stepping into those roles, yeah. Mm. And I guess uh, I don't have an easy answer to those things because I do think that there is, you know, as we touched on to start with, I think that real humans are open to representational damage through, mm-hmm. you know, through representations of their own or use of their own likeness, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, um, again, it's like a, it's it feels like an unknown still exactly how that's going to play out. But you know, all of that has just become much more, all the ways in which we can be impacted like that mm. has just been kind of vastly rolled out, you know. So there's a whole new world of vulnerabilities that we all now have to this. Mm. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's a part of me that goes, well, if it's all imagination, then, you know, I'm kind of, I'd be, I'd be very slow to try and police what people you know, do with their imagination. Like maybe that's the brilliance of it is that anything, you know, if it's with between consenting adults and, it, you know, doesn't harm anybody in real life, then then what a wonderful space to, to, to enact mm. those kind of freedoms. Mm. But I guess the issues are where it uh, impacts the real life and real humans real. in some way. Mm. And it's, I, I don't know if there's an easy answer to, yeah. to that. It's also about how we relate to our our likeness. Like mm-hmm. that was also part of the thinking when they were asking me to become this AI companion, right? Mm-hmm. I think that I, for however many reasons, don't have as integrated a relationship to what I look like, what I sound like, mm-hmm. my human form. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Uh, I'm not sure why that's the case, but it's probably been heightened a lot by my meditation practice also. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of see it as a form that Mm -hmm. kind of carries Mm -hmm. me around (laughs) and that I can be through, but it's not necessarily me, you know? And so I think that when they're taking me and they're making it into this thing, I think I had maybe less friction around that Mm -hmm. also because... I feel like I am already mm-hmm. a something that's just a representation and yeah. somebody's just making another one. So, but mm-hmm. I know, I, I know now mm-hmm. uh, and in general, just from living that I have a, a different relationship to my form than other people do. And maybe as the power gets taken away from us in mm-hmm. terms of how much ownership we can have over our form, yeah. maybe that will change for other people too. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like what you're describing in a way is like is something that I suspect that most women on some level are subject to. Mm-hmm. I, I resonate with what you're saying in my own mm-hmm. life experience as well. Like I feel very um I don't feel very closely associated with my own representation either. Mm-hmm. But then I've also had um parts of my life where not in the same way as you, but where it's still been you know, something about the work that I've done has made it kind of necessary to think in terms of, uh, to, to both um, 
be you know aware of myself as subject and object mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. and and you know there's some interesting um uh feminist scholarship about those kinds of things we mm. we um you know on a level we we are more closely associated with we're both more impacted by but also can can more easily capitalize on our own images as well and i think that's another kind of um that's another sort of um uh, distinction somehow is like whether we can benefit from you know there's a um, Angela Carter who's one of my favorite favorite authors but also favorite feminists and, and did interesting scholarship around sort of uh, earlier sort of um, feminist porn um, debates mm-hmm. uh, talks about that kind of like the the um, I guess whether or not how we're positioned to benefit from our own uh, sexual capital somehow. Mm. And there's loads of taboos around that. Mm. And yet it's so obvious in the media landscape and online world and whatever that that um, there's a logic by which the kind of economically virtuous woman would mm. self-exploit her own sexuality and her mm. own visual representation Mm. and that in some way you're kind of like a virtuous fool Mm. if other people can just you know you know if you share your sexy selfies for free Mm. then you are kind of like (laughs) you're giving it away and Mm. you're not you are still uh, shouldering the burden of what it means to be a woman safeguarding her image in these guns safeguarding her sexual capital Mm -hmm. but you're not actually benefiting from it in a way mm-hmm. so by virtue you know but by extension which you go like there's a logic by which somehow we're all yeah we're all kind of dealing with some of the logic that plays out with sex work even if we're not actively engaged in it mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess then uh it's also about understanding the transactional nature of any interaction right know, and how that can sometimes be around capital in a monetary form or capital in wanting attention right? or how that reflects back on what you think about yourself. And I mean, I think sex work really taught me that. And sure, I am on the receiving end of money, mm-hmm. but it taught me about when I'm not getting paid, what am I getting? Yeah. Maybe I am going to send something sexy for free, but it's not free because I'm getting the attention of somebody that I actually right. want the attention from. That's yeah. their payment to me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess that makes it more transactional potentially or makes yeah. your awareness of the transactional aspects of interaction more, mm. more keen than maybe somebody who's not. Yeah, who hasn't experienced. Here is an exchange. Hang on, wait. Is everything in exchange? What am I doing with my off time now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because my time costs this much. Right. So is it worth that much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the aspects of this kind of new technology and the accessibility of it is that, you know, if there's any pictures of us online, we can't stop anybody from, you know, if you have a vengeful ex-boyfriend or a creepy fan or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be the most private woman if you have any social media or any pictures Mm -hmm. of you, even from like on LinkedIn or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can't stop somebody 
you know, you have no control over how they use that. I mean, you ultimately never did. Mm. You know, you you don't know which, like, work photos ended up in somebody's wank bank. You know, mm. that was always the case, but now it has this added kind of, I guess, potential for them to give greater sort of body to it, I guess, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and have and build more of a relationship or parasocial relationship mm. with your image mm. without you having any control of it, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, this is an almost a different podcast, but like I a episode, but I then I also think about how, how that also needs to be thought about. But I guess like uh, ultimately... There's so much potential to anything that any of us bother with, whether it's in designing AI chatbots, whether it's in designing robot companions, maybe even, or however, whatever decisions that we end up making. Mm-hmm. But everything I always come back to, maybe it's like an easy way out and I'm looking for some sort of solution to soothe my anxieties or whatever. But mm-hmm. I feel like if, if as long as we can have conversations around it, as long as we're being self-critical around ourselves and how we're all interacting, maybe... It's just almost like a carte blanche sort of scenario mm. that needs to happen, at least initially. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, you know, we, we kind of don't know yeah. what people are going to do. You know, it, it's it's at that stage where it's sort of playing mm. out and we're... we're Can um, it be parallel to anything else in history? <laughs> I mean, I think the early internet, you know, it's just like yeah. another... You know, the early internet yeah. was wild, wild west, and yeah. there is that kind of like radical uh, freedom of the internet, kind of yeah. you know, and and the 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 places as I was talking about where people are doing their DIY bots and everything yeah. feels very like that, okay. you know, or even like the you know. Um, even the online like social media forums for people using generative image engines and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm in a few spaces like that, and it's 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 interesting how fast it went from, mm. uh, like I guess you know you could maybe predict it, but it's still something that you're kind of seeing in real time where it's gone mm. from uh, a quite wide range of different applications to basically being, you know, if 300 images are 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 shared every day, then probably. 280 of them are like idealized, physically impossible uh, fantasy waifus, you know, to the specific <laughs> personalized taste of whoever, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's sharing tips and on, <laughs> on like how to get them to be more or less nude without saying that and how to get around the filters and everything. And all the women are disappearing out of these groups, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> It has a logic to it. It does feel like it has a precedence. Yeah. I'm not a great fan of uh, of regulation, especially when it comes to imagination. Yeah. But I think that um, I think uh, a greater literacy about this stuff, and maybe also something about like good form. You know the way, like in a sense, like what's socially acceptable. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, and where the boundaries are in that, like, you know, where's the delineation between fantasy, how you deal with your fantasy enactment with your chatbot versus what is and isn't permissible for you to do in Mm -hmm. real life and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, just a little bit more self-reflection. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I think maybe that's a nice spot to close, Uh or did you have anything else that kind of comes to mind? No, I mean, look, 
there's so much we could talk about. So it feels so wide ranging. There's so yeah. many, yeah. you know, and it's it's brilliant to yeah. It's just a part two. Again. I think I'm gonna have a little series of this. So maybe I'll come back to your sofa and you'll be much bigger, little cat. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe we'll we'll have some insights from actually implementing this project as well. Yeah, Um, and life and mm -hmm. all the trouble all of us are getting ourselves into. Yeah, Yeah. I I I don't know whether I look forward to it. I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, in a way, we didn't go so much into where this is at for you at the moment. With the, oh, do you want to go into that or no? I, no, I'm going to let it settle. Okay, but I think I gave little hints. Yes, it didn't go well. Now it's all right. <laughs> well, the the the, the, the the what you're saying about yeah. the the motivations of the the your new yeah. collaborators on this sounds sounds pretty interesting. It sounds more aligned to yeah. what I would be able to live with longer term in my mm. conscience. Yeah. Mm, although I'm totally not opposed to having my bath goal financial stability thing either, you know. Yeah, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been Bring two it. projects. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It could have been two projects. But yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. And I must uh, watch yes. that play that you mentioned. Mm. The the nether? The nether. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you for listening. See you next time.